Okay, guys, before we jump into today's podcast, which is a good one with uh, a man that's got some incredible stories. But uh, just a reminder, if you don't already sign up to our um, Game Changing Whole Man Journal, it goes out uh, to men across the world on a Monday, Wednesday and a Friday. But recently, we've been talking about the two dinners which we're hosting. So on the 15th of June, we will be in London. So if you want to come along to that, we've got a couple of spaces left, depending on when you listen to this um in central london and on the 22nd of june we are up in the cotswolds for our second uh dinner up there so again we've got a couple of spaces left some great guys going um if you want to find out more about that or jump on and grab a ticket it um is on our website on the events page i'll also link it below um so yeah if you can come along some great guys come along from all different sectors uh come and chat come and eat come and laugh and uh come and connect with some new guys right let's jump in whole man academy because the world needs strong men. Whole Man Academy is changing the game for men around the world. It's for guys who want to live an epic life of fun and adventure, no matter what. We believe deep down, all men want to go on their own hero's journey to becoming resilient, confident, fearless, and fulfilled. Listening to be inspired by guys who don't settle for living a life of mediocrity. This is your call to action and call to adventure. Are you ready? Okay, so this is the Whole Man Academy podcast, episode 129. My guest today is Gary Banford, a former Special Forces leader who now helps others become more authentic and resilient leaders themselves. There's a lot of this needed these days for uh, for men especially. So we'll start off with, because I think this is a really important one, you were into the forces and of course you've since left but why did you get into it to start with because i've interviewed um over the course of the 130 nearly episodes um richard mann you might know these people anyway hello richie yep yep richard and um so i spoke to him um a guy that joined the royal marines when he was 17 which is a really interesting one um and james elliott um the airborne soldier who i've interviewed and and it's for me i know lots of guys that do normal jobs you know banking plumbing uh, recruitment agency but going to the forces where you might risk your life is a completely different kettle of fish so I just wondered what got you to kind of move into it in the first place yeah happy to answer that and uh, so it's interesting so now I can clearly communicate this but if I kind of think of myself as the I was at, I was at college so I I went through normal school education um, I was at college after that doing my A-levels um, and where was that whereabouts um Bang in the middle of the UK. So stick a pin in the middle of England and I live a couple of miles from there. So yeah. I couldn't live any further from the coast. Yeah. And I'll come on to why that's important. But uh, I'd read a book when I was about 13 or 14 uh, called Bravo 2-0, um, which was given to me by my dad, who, who doesn't read books. So it's interesting. I don't know where he got it from, if I'm perfectly honest. But I read it. It opened up my mind to... A career that I didn't even know existed. I remember seeing the Iranian embassy siege as a young man on TV. I didn't really, yeah. young boy, didn't really understand it. I had no idea what the SAS were, but I read this story and I was like, wow, what, like, how on earth do you become that? Like, I had no idea. Clearly, you needed to join the military. So the seeds were sown young. Um, when I was kind of 16, 17, thinking about what I was going to do after school when I grew up, I'm still working that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I thought, well, you know, I remember, in fact, I remember at college, there was a, a, a computer system that you answered a load of questions and it was kind of shaping your your kind of career options uh, and kind of putting you into some sort of box, I guess, with the algorithm back yeah. then. Um, and one of the things that it listed was uh, a Royal Marines officer. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And at the time, there was a TV program on uh, around the Royal Marines and that was good enough. Now there's still a lot of processes to go through that. It wasn't like this like incredibly clear childhood dream. It was, yeah. I, I was coming towards the end of my education. I had, a, I had a position at university if I wanted it. Well, I wanted adventure. I wanted excitement. I wanted something different. I lived in the middle, in the middle of nowhere, a small little village, mining town. Um, I, I, I love the coast. I love the water. And I thought, I want to go and have an adventure. So for me, a, a thousand pieces of a jigsaw had been put together to, 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 for me to volunteer for the Royal Marines initially. So that was the first step into my 
uh, time in the military as the Royal Marines. And again, it's interesting you mentioned Richie Mann. Mm. I know Richie really well. Okay. Uh, he, he only lives in Nottingham, about sort of half an hour from me. And we regularly meet up. But he, um, I was 18 when I joined. So I finished my A-levels um, and then joined the military uh, from from 18. So still a young man. Thought I knew everything, but, <laughs> but I can now say knew nothing at all. Yeah, safely, safely in that knowledge. I think that no matter what, I mean, so many of the guys I've spoke to after these hundred plus episodes and spent hours with them, so many of them kind of say they ended up going into something thinking that you kind of knew where you were going and what it entailed and stuff. But actually, you know, you realise that at that age, you don't know what you're doing. But I wonder, so were you physically fit at that time? Because to state the obvious, it's a uh, it's a role that you can't go into and just be like, oh, I'll just get by because you are tested physically and mentally. So how was your general kind of, I say mental fitness as well as your physical fitness? Yeah. So again, I can I can talk about these things openly now. At the time, it wasn't really something we thought of. Now I was I was sporty. Yeah, um, I competed at sports at school. I was passionate about a few sports. I was I was average at most. I was not incredibly talented at anything sports wise. I wasn't in the top teams of anything. Um, and I and it's about perspective, isn't it, or context? That, you know, within my small world at the time, I was probably a above average fitness but mm-hmm. that wasn't very fit at all there was there was the kids that were going off maybe getting football scholarships and yeah. that certainly wasn't me so no I wasn't fit at all I actually and I went into to volunteer for the Royal Marines you then you went down for three days to do uh, what they called at the time the potential recruits course and that was my first insight into the standard that I needed to be at so I went down quarter train down um, and this is something that's I've come to realize is quite important. I went into this challenge completely blind. I had mm. no idea what the standard was. Um, I had an idea. Well, I did have an idea, but I was so, it was so far removed from reality. You've got nothing think. to measure it against, I guess. Nothing, absolutely nothing. The internet right. didn't really exist where you could go and find this information out. So I went into it blind and that this is going to be a common thread through most of my story. I've come to realize that, going into stuff without all the information but just willing to try and give it my best that was that's 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 me now that yeah. was me then I was willing to give it a go um so no I wasn't I wasn't physically fit and I was my my fitness or lack of fitness was exposed massively when I went down for those three days we walked out of that three days I was successful thankfully but uh we were given a, a, a short booklet maybe five or six pages of a potential training program before you were to join in maybe three or four months time I can't remember what it was so three or four months kind of training you only had to follow this booklet I couldn't even manage to do that and I turned up for the start of Royal Marines training because I wasn't disciplined I wasn't a disciplined boy particularly Um, and I I turned up way behind the curve but that that served me quite well uh, and basic training, if you want to explore that, was really challenging. But it uh, could because, in part, my fitness was so behind the curve. But again, that I was willing to stick with it. I find it interesting because, um, with I would guess, with doing that, let's say, job, that you have to have a good all around measure of your like upper body strength. You can't just be like fit like a runner. And, you know, you've got to be strong enough to carry someone and pull yourself up and run and do, you know, do the distances as well. Um, and like I when I left uh, or just before I left the city, I started doing obstacle course races. And obviously your your life's not on the line then. But even then, I, I consider myself fit. But suddenly when you had to do monkey bars and, or, you know, jump over walls and get soaking wet, because it's all very well doing these things when you're nice and dry and warm. But when you're freezing cold and, you know, you've not eaten and you've got hypothermia or something or mild hypothermia, it's it's a different thing. So one of you, because one of the big things we talk about at the whole Mad Academy is people say work-life balance, but I always think it should be life-work balance because work should be come after life. But I guess at that young age, maybe you it's more possible to like pour yourself into your career. But obviously, as you get a bit older, you've then got to, if you're going to have, you know, partner, family and I mean, basically, you know, see your family as well. And if you've got to put up with being away, um, how did that work for you? Like the first few years of it, were you stationed away? And therefore, how did you deal with it? Um, it's a great question. So I was a single guy when I, I volunteered. Um, and I realized now that was a big advantage. 
So I joined the military as a single guy, um, enjoyed being a single guy in the military, uh, early days in the military, uh, early days in the Marines. Excuse me, just grab some water. Yeah. Um, then again, we can talk about why uh, if you want to, but I, I volunteered for special forces. I had a, had a serious partner then. Again, we split up just as I started that process. Again, which served me well, quite selfishly, through that process of special forces selection. Um, and then my career in special forces. So I, most of my time in the Marines, I was single and I had a, some girlfriends. Um, yeah. Nothing too serious, but then and I was in the Marines for five or six years, but then I was in special forces and I had a partner through most of that and uh, a, a wife um, eventually. And I was like, it, it was a massive challenge. Mm. Uh, it is an incredibly, I realize now, selfish job that demanded everything from the people within it now the guys that and it was all guys at the time um the guys that were in that organization would never define themselves then or now as selfish but the job demands people yeah. that are very career focused and we were giving everything to that career and, and i understand clearly now that we couldn't give everything to our relationships or our children again one of the motivating factors for me eventually leaving the military uh, as in as in the military for over 22 years uh special forces for 16 and most of my time with that i didn't have children whilst i did have children towards the end of my career that it became incredibly challenging and yeah. so much more challenging than just managing my wife yeah my my partner right and so um yeah like hugely challenging and i don't uh, uh towards the end of my career i was the recruitment lead for special forces so i was i was trying to um help people coach mentor people that wanted to join special forces uh and if they were in serious relationships if they had children i always had that very honest chat with them look, mm. look this is what it's going to realistically demand from you yeah. and sacrifice in your time with your children those special occasions i, I couldn't be um i couldn't lie to them and that they're, they're probably not going to get the option to, to freely choose when mm. they were going to be there that was a that was a reality so no it, it was incredibly challenging and divorce rates were through the roof in that organization still are yeah. well and i was going to come on to the mental health side of things for for guys being away from family and also to state the obvious with you know dealing with harrowing um issues but i wonder with that also um like for you when you are away to give guys an understanding who are listening and you know, it could be across the world so they might not fully understand like what are the the times when you be away from home the most like if you're stationed somewhere would, would it be weeks months or how long would it be till if let's say you did have a family you'd be like yeah i'll be back in six months yeah very typical um yeah much worse than that actually right. so but again i i my family tried living down on the south coast which is where i was based and because i was away so much it was almost there's no support network for them so they yeah. they 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 stayed back in the Midlands for, mo for most of it. So I was always at best traveling home at weekends when I was in the UK, but we'd go away for six months. Uh, there they they was always training before we went away anywhere for a long period like that. There was time that we had to dedicate to training. We might go away for five or six weeks before then. After we came back, there was periods of time when we had to consolidate what we'd learn and there'd be a few weeks away there. So like I, on average, we were away nine months of most years, I would say. Um, and for me, within that, I was only, within those three months that were remaining, I was only ever about at weekends as well. So no, I mean, it was, yeah. it was no, it was no place for serious relationships. It just wasn't. I can see that clearly now. And it's interesting just to go back, Anthony, to your comment about or your thoughts about uh, mental health uh, in that mm. career, in that job. It was something that was never discussed and i'm being honest in that when i say most people it was it wasn't it wasn't the slightest problem for them yeah I, I, the amount of purpose and fulfillment that people had in that career made everything actually pretty smooth like i mm. said the, the job selected re selected people that could fit into that world 
given those sacrifices that they were prepared to make. And what I've come to realize is that isn't normal. Uh, you know, the, uh, they're, they're outliers, right? They're outliers in what would be seen as typical. Most people would listen to this and go, that's outrageous. I could never spend so far away from my children. And no, you wouldn't want to, but the job enticed you to feel like it was so purposeful, that it was so fulfilling. And it genuinely was on many on yeah. many levels. But there was these huge sacrifices within your life that you also had to be able to manage. And some people can manage them. Some people can't. And mm. most people wouldn't understand. We can't. We can't. There isn't a magic fairy dust that we could sprinkle on people for, to, to help them to be the best soldier in this kind of role, because it takes quite a special person to be able to manage that. Just interestingly, I always remember the advert for the Royal Marines. I was in the Royal Marines at the time, but they put out this advert and in line with what you were saying earlier on about the, the obstacle courses when people are hypothermic and how challenging in different, different, different conditions. And the advert literally stated, um, running so far with a pack of, with a pack of weight on your back. Yeah, that's okay. But can you do it in the pouring rain? Can you do it with no sleep? Can you do it with blisters on your feet? Yeah. Uh, at minus 30 in Norway. And then the advert said at the bottom, 99.99% need not apply. Yes. So that really appealed to me. Great marketing. Now, that was, it was the worst marketing the Royal Marines ever had <laughs> in the sense that 99% of people didn't apply. Yeah. And they, they they got rid of it. But for some of us, they were like, no, that that's really appealing. And for the right person, they don't want to fit into that bracket of what normal looks like. Yeah. You know? I live, I'm, I'm ironic, but not far away. I work now. My, my office is not far from where I was brought up. I'm, I'm back here now, but I didn't want to stay here mm. my whole life. I wanted the adventure, the excitement of that that unknown, that uncertainty. That's exactly yeah. what I was seeking. I wrote down uncertainty is one of the points. I mean, it, we'll come on to it, but in the last three years, a lot of people have faced uncertainty because of the lockdowns and you know businesses yep. have been destroyed and blah, blah, blah. But sticking with that side of things, at what point, because there's a difference between being in the forces, as it were, but rising to like a sergeant major level is a significant kind of step. And I wonder if you, because I guess not everybody wants to get to that position because it's a lot of responsibilities. So at what point in your career did you firstly think, well, I, I want to be that high? And then what was the difference between just doing what you're doing and saying, right, now I'm starting the process to get to that level? Yeah, so I, I never wanted to be. <laughs> I never, I genuinely never wanted to be at that yeah. rank. Um, I I rose up through the ranks as a byproduct of being the right person, I guess, for the next role up. So, um, I've come to realise that you use the word responsibility. Um, it's easy to shirk responsibility, but there's lots of scenarios in my old world where I've kind of. The inner critic is screaming at me. I'm doubting myself, but I'm looking around and thinking, well, if not me, then who should be that person? And, yeah. and often it was, well, actually, you, Gaz, you are the most experienced person in this team. You should be the person that is stepping up and fulfilling that role. Yes. So um, I don't think I ever wanted to be a sergeant major. And there was a, a the regimental sergeant major, the, the the kind of the top job, if you like, for non-commissioned officers. Um, you know, I, I was asked to 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 go for that role, and, and again, I I just didn't want that job. It was never something that I was seeking. Um, so no, it was it was it was interesting. And it, it was the the goal for me was never significance of rank, but yes. the significance of rank came for me as through a number of factors. Um, you know, no one no one's ever humble that says they're humble, right? But genuinely, it was never to because of that's the goal um leadership for me was about well I i'm the best person to help this scenario and care for my team that was mm. that was the reason why i was um trying to to kind of be the best version of me so it was a natural natural progression and it's actually it might seem like a a senior rank it might seem like a big set of progression but it's it's just simple little steps and mm -hmm. again we can break that down very rarely was it was it big leaps of new new ground for me new territory i find it so interesting because again after speaking to guys from so many uh different sectors and you know they've kind of reached the pinnacle often some some of them say 
a bit like you did. It's not like when you grew up, you were like, I want to be this. It's like, do you know what? I just kind of like when I say fell into the role, but it, you just kind of, you know, slowly moved up through the ranks, as it were. Um, and what was it like for you? Because when you get to that level, um, of course, then you're leading men. And had you did you always feel like you were a natural leader or was it something you kind of honed by looking at how, you know, I assume it's older men than you kind of how they worked and behaved? Um, I certainly never felt I was a natural leader. Um, leadership now, I'm a leadership coach, but I, mm. I'm, again, uh, I coach many senior leaders. And in, 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 in line with what you just said, uh, uh, most senior leaders, I, I rarely come across someone that knows that they've got it all worked out. Again, I've got mm. caution would always rise in me if uh, someone says such a thing, because we're all learning. It's a massive, it's a massive topic, right? And and so, no, I... Um, I never felt like a natural leader uh, and I, I wouldn't define myself as a natural leader at all. It, it, there's lots of times when I go into scenarios when I, I can, I can easily doubt myself, but like I said, I've, I've come to know that rarely through the door of opportunity or through responsibility, good things happen, even though in the mm. moment when you're about to step through or breach through the, the threshold that it can seem a little bit, unnerving i've come to learn through thousands and thousands of experiences that more often than not when you go through that door of opportunity that good things lie on the other side uh so so no i i I, is it a wrestle no i don't think i wrestle with that but um something um, between i i I, you know i say that i say to you authentically that yeah it's not something that i naturally ever felt um yeah i I was i was i was good at we were born for what it's interesting because i wanted to talk now about um after interviewing guys in different sectors, a good example is like professional footballers who, of course, have been doing that thing where they're used to being told where to be, what to do, what to eat, what have you. And then suddenly they're, you know, through injury or retirement. And then you wake up and you're like, I know with um, Neil Mellor, the former Liverpool footballer. And, you know, I said to him on the pod, what was it like when you left? And he's like, really difficult because you're you're transitioning from something with certainty and and structure to something that was completely different and i wonder if you what was it like when you left did you have a plan of action i'm not i'm guessing you did because you're a smart guy but you know trying to from leaving there to being just back to being gary as it were what was that like um it was interesting times for sure no i so i think one of the differences between the marines my experiences of the marines and then being in special forces is when when I, I got through the selection process of special forces and I found myself in those those units, then what they demand of the individual is to be much more self-disciplined, actually. Right. They, there's no one going to be shouting at you, telling you to do your exercise, telling you to eat the right food, putting you at the right place at the right time. They, they, they demand self-discipline. So the people that survive in those organizations over a protracted period of time have developed much more self-discipline. So I, I would describe myself now only through habits, habits that I've created, that I am much more self-disciplined. And when I left the military, look, my the, still with my old work, there was look, there was structure to the day in yeah. the sense of we arrived to work at a certain time. We had plans for the days and weeks, typically in training and operations, even the same. The days were very structured with regard to timings. Um, so, of course, the, there was frameworks. But in, when I left, uh, you know, I was playing around with what I would be, what I wanted mm. to do when I left. And the, one of the reasons I wanted to leave was was to see my children more. They were growing up fast and I was missing so much time with them. So that was definitely one of the driving factors. So I, that shaped, you know, my needs of joining the military, of adventure, excitement and, yeah. and, and new new things. By the time I was in my late 30s, my, my needs were very mm. different. I was after much more certainty I was after certainty of seeing my family, of, of being able to see their school sports days, of, of walking them to school. Yeah. These little things that well, these the nice are things, things that I was absolutely these are the things that I was seeking. So uh, my needs had shifted. So I, I I I did a very strategic review of what it was that I needed, what I was looking for financially, um, with regards to my family, with regards to my friendships, and uh, and I was like, well these things suit for me and i tried as many of those things as i could and again by taking action and trying different things i realized some 
things I liked, some things I didn't like, and I started to do more of the things that I liked. And I created a business. Um, so again, didn't know the first thing about setting up a business. I always, I've told this story before, but when I first set up a, a Doratus, which is uh, my business, that I I thought you had to register with Customs House. Well, Customs House is a is a pub in Pool that um, <laughs> whereas it's it's company's house that you have to yeah. register. I knew nothing about setting up a business. We've all made mistakes like that. Exactly. So I I you know I was a complete novice, but I've again I've come to realise that all those uncertainties or the the skill at navigating uncertainty of setting up a new business, you know, that I was fairly skilled in, in some of those things and some of the attributes that that takes. So I just walked towards what I wanted, which is, you know, sounds like a similar thing to what you do, Anthony. You know, I, yeah. I coach um, senior executives um, in business. I help them navigate the, the challenges that they've got around their leadership and, you know, especially around the topic of resilience. And it it's evolved as I've gone and I've, I was aware it, was going to evolve you know business boom through lockdown a lot of people for example asking people asking themselves like what like why am i finding this so difficult well yeah. working in a small team in a in a smaller a closed environment with a, a, a serious threat outside was my normal for 20 odd years right? mm. and so being in covid and being locked down was was quite normal for, for yeah. me in many ways so we were able to communicate quite well um what what things work through that and, and continue to do so 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 yeah um, it's, it's no, that, I, didn't, um, I didn't feel well armed but I've, I've i've kind of developed my skills and had to keep adapting as i go i guess i know adapting is you know if there was some key words from so many of the like let's call it entrepreneurs that i spoke to it's like adapting because and usually just as you think you've got something sorted something you know you get a curveball thrown at you but with fatherhood as well i just wondered um if you're and I'm going to assume the answer is yes, but like your appetite for risk as that young man who's doing dangerous stuff to then when you've got kids, because I know my appetite for risk has changed, not that I was you know, risking my life, but some of the stuff I was doing back then, I even just drive slowly these days. I just, you know, I've got, I've got three kids now, one of them is only six weeks old. So, uh, you know, my responsibility is here. So how would that affect you? Because surely when, not just for you, but maybe the guys that will, you know, kind of you were, um, either training or working, uh, let's say above them in, in the hierarchy. But do you see that that guys, when they're happy to kind of say risk their life in the early days, when you've then got kids and a family, it can change it. Like one hundred percent. Right. So, again, most of my career in special forces, um, I had partner. Um, mm -hmm. Didn't I didn't have children most of the, my career uh, and rightly or wrongly i was happy to take i can say now incredible risk it never felt like we were taking incredible risk i never reflected on the risk overly which is probably why i survived a, a long career doing that uh, and being prepared to do that but when children came about yeah of course you reflect and on the, the amount of risk you're taking and, and I'd, I'd add to that even as my children grew up um and I, my my relationships became stronger with them of course you know you hold your newborn baby it's a it's an incredible thing yeah but as the children grow up your relationship strengthens and it it grows and and you know i was realizing i was missing too much and yeah naturally i remember being deployed and you know really struggling with being away for months at a time yeah you know in a very dangerous part of the world and thinking you know why am i doing this like and again i was being very aware of the risk whereas before it was something that i didn't even have to consider yeah. you know being you know flying to a very dangerous area considering how much risk i was taking it was just something that never used to happen mm. and so all of that added up as as time went on to the point where i decided look this is probably um, a number of factors, but one of the factors was this is more risk than I probably need to be taking. So, so yeah, absolutely, absolutely yeah. a factor, massively. It's it's interesting because I know myself. I mean, if I'd have stayed working in the environment or in the city when I was there, I used to get up at half five. I'd get I'd get the six oh seven train every morning, and I, you know, you so you'd never have seen the kids obviously in the morning. And then you generally didn't get home till let's say six. And also you might have been going out with clients and you just wouldn't get home till late. And I remember thinking that you'd probably only get maybe two or three hours a week with your children. And then what I've heard some dads say, of course, is then you feel like 
sometimes at the weekend you might need to decompress yourself but of course your partner might be like well you can fucking deal with them because i've been i've been looking after them all week and and i realized for me like if i hadn't have left i would have found it really hard and you know that's not me being you're still coming home to your bed every night um but well the next one about that was i know for me a lot of the guys i spoke to your kind of values align on on family and building something for yourself and i just wonder for you when you left um had you had people in the forces that I mean, we're big on men talking to other men or it doesn't have to be other men but you know about how things are going and i just wonder if you going through the forces did you have a particular person or people that you could go and speak to about how you're dealing with the everything that's going on in your life so during um my time serving in the military um no one was ever given the role or responsibility of being my mentor yeah but many i was i realize now i was blessed to have many mentors and role models throughout my career uh, quality leaders that role modeled great examples of how to live your life and so mm. you know i was shaped naturally i spent far more time with those people than i did my own family with my own parents as such so you know, I know I know the ins and outs of how they did business, and I learned a lot, a lot from that. And you get to pick and choose, cherry pick the best from the people that you align to, don't you? And some people would choose different people, and that's yes. just how we all work, isn't it? So, no, I, I definitely had mentors. They weren't defined as my mentors. I had great leaders. I was lucky to have such good leadership uh, that were able that I was able to talk to and and ask questions of. Um, but but mostly it was by osmosis and an observation rather than like specific conversation yes. around how they manage home life, let's say. Mm. Again, we weren't great at talk like work. My old work environment was very much an environment where how you dealt with the operational and tactical problems that we were facing was the most important thing. Like what was going on outside of work, like your son's sports day. Like if you were asking for some time off to go and watch your school sports day, it was like, you know are you, are you for real or you know yeah. people ringing in sick I, I don't remember any any i don't remember people ringing in having a bad day and say oh, i'm not coming to work today not, yeah. never happened everyone always today. everyone always turned up and the, the makeup of the person that would even feeling a bit rough maybe with a heavy cold whatever would still turn up that was what it was expected and that yeah. was the the culture that was the environment and some people might listen think oh, that's, that's horrendous. That's a bit toxic. Not at all. It was it's quite supportive when you were there because people understood. But turning up and showing up was the kind of people that we were because the job at the time mattered to us more mm. than more than spending some time at home in our pants, you know, and not going to work. It, didn't, never, it never felt like work. It never felt like work. It was, it was yeah. a lifestyle, genuinely. And it was a, it was a group of people that we just loved to, to spend time together. So no, I had amazing mentors and, you know, I realize now again, they all thought very similarly. So you didn't get great advice on how to manage relationships outside of work. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, so you never got that kind of great advice, uh, a good parenting advice, because we never really had those chances to really understand. We didn't get to know each other's kids, et cetera, because mm. the world, the, the job just didn't allow for that. And that's yeah. just the nature of the business. And, and, the, and it necessitated that, if I'm honest now, I can see that clearly now, which is, again, one of the reasons I stepped away. I think it's, it's why it's interesting talking to yourself and so many guys to, to see what the... Um... I'm always like fascinated to see what it was like because because a guy that works in the city has no idea what it's like doing what you did being away. And then you've got other guys that have no idea what it was like, that your sole job was to make as much money as possible all day. And if you made loads, life was good. And, you know, you'd leave work and everything was rosy. And the next day you might make nothing and you'd feel shit. And, you know, you'd you'd kind of you, you'd find your colleagues would take the piss out of you and your competitors would message you and go missed out on that deal with Barclays and what have you and I just wondered moving into the the role you're in now I saw on um when I was reading you'd said like you'd worked with say senior leaders at teams like Citibank and they were they used to be one of my clients but also like coaches at Manchester City and England football team talk about the men you work with what, what are the common things that guys 
are dealing with or struggling with that would come to you? Like what kind of things are you seeing at the moment? So I'd say a number of things. Uh, when it comes to leadership, almost everyone is winging it because right. you know, I've realized that one of the things that we were very lucky with in the military was we got an awful lot of investment with our leadership development. So we yeah. would put on specific courses to help us to be better leaders. Now we hated these courses at the time and it seemed like such a waste of time. Some of them were four or five months long. They were long courses of, of classroom, formal training, then experiential training, then out on operations, you know, put it into practice. So years, literal years of, of formal training with regards to our leadership. And obviously in the private sector and public sector, there just isn't the time yeah. to invest in their people or the budgets because it's as you said it's about making money whereas with the military everyone knew what everyone was earning everyone was earning on within their range the same yeah. and it was never a factor they didn't pay us enough to take the risks that we were prepared to take it was never about the money and that did create a much more trusting environment there was no competition mm. around that kind of thing um so i'd say i'd say leadership and people's thoughts on what good leadership is and how they can be a better leader is one thing that people are fascinated men especially in, yeah. in leadership roles are, are fascinated by because i think there's such a broken model of what good leadership looks like i think there's so many the, the loudest people get to talk about how they've done leadership and people gravitate towards that and again that i really struggle with that again because yeah. a lot of the the best leaders are those that don't tell you what they're up to you know mm. the, the world today is all about people being on a soapbox isn't it um but so leadership but i also say about how to manage stress like like yeah. managing stress their own resilience is such a hot topic because so many people are running in the red Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably the most common thing that we, we, even your leadership skills, acumen is so much better serviced or served when you're managing things better, both at home and at work. And so we talk about this all of the time. This is a daily conversation. I had these conversations yeah. with clients earlier today because, and just checking in with people around how things are going around these two major topics of leadership and resilience, let's say, um, but especially specifically managing stress um, and keeping it in the right place because stress is important stress is incredibly important for performance so mm -hmm. i'm not saying we need to minimize stress we just need to have it in the right place and and be able to um, down regulate when we need to and up, up regulate when we when we need to also so yeah stress and leadership were the two most common topics it's, miles. it's always um we send out a, a whole man journal on a, on a Monday, Wednesday and a Friday. It's read by hundreds of men across the world. So you get a real mixture. But when you um, have conversations with guys about what's going on, like stress comes into it so much. Um, and again, it's sometimes you say, you know, if you're trying to eliminate stress, you're probably on a hiding to nothing. Um, so can you either minimize it or or. And of course, it's not to have coping mechanisms, but it's like, how can you manage it best? You know, are you eating the right things? Are you staying away from the toxic media that just pump people full of <laughs> fear, fear porn? Are you exercising? Are you doing the simple things to start with? Um, and a lot of guys, I always love the question of like, what do you do for fun? And often, especially guys, you can tell straight away when they're, uh, I, I met one earlier today, but when they're stressed, because like when you say fun, it's like, that they kind of glaze over because they're so busy working and trying to balance everything. So it's always an interesting one. Um, but we spoke um, just before we press record about the issues of working from home as well. And again, I, I've been to a, uh, let's call it a networking meeting this morning with about 16, 17 people. And several of those said, when I, you know, let's call it during the lockdowns, it seemed great to start with, but now within six months, a year, a year and a half, they've realized that they miss the interaction. And also there's blurred lines of home and work and family and stuff. So I just wondered, like, how have you navigated that? Because you're in the office now as opposed to being at home. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So probably worth rewinding a little bit. So again, mm. my whole time in the, uh, in the military, 22 years plus in the military, I had a very clear transition it back into home life that might be a flight from operations 
and then to get home that might be a three-hour journey uh, in the car at the weekends to go to and from work had these really clear uh, periods of transition when I left the military and I started working from home um, with my family in the house again your family um, that things became blurred really quickly and I and I I even, you know, I would describe myself again with humility. I'd say I'm a fairly self-disciplined person, so I know the things that I need to maintain. Yeah. To I was always fascinated in my career by the the people that have served longitudinally, the 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 kind of the, the long careers that, and they, that were still keen, that were still thriving, that were still thirsty for work. How do they manage that? I was always fascinated. I studied psychology in college, and I was I was fascinated by that side of it. So um, I was always looking at those people, observing those people. Now, so I understand what good habits are, and I, and I would say I'm fairly self-disciplined with that. But even me, working from home, um, I found, again, I spent three years working from home mostly, probably two or three days uh, out of home initially before lockdown happened. But I began to realize that my physical environment, the box that I was spending eight to 12 hours in a day, you know, which was a plush living room, don't get me yeah. wrong, but it was still not enough uh, you know we need to be outside we need to be um in nature we need to be doing various things habitually every single day mm. and i wasn't getting enough of that uh, i wasn't getting my steps in simple yeah. things like that and so i realized like what do i need to change so you know obviously i'm like i said i'm a man with pretty good habits or over formed over decades uh that's why i say that but i still sometimes i was so thirsty for building my business that mm. i would just lock myself away in my room and just work 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 and not go for my daily run or gym session whatever it might be and so what i've realized now is well and this is where i speak to you from today i've i've got a i've got a rented an office in the last six months um, which is about three or four miles from home and that forces me my commute now three or four days a week is to jog into work and so i've got the jog there and jog back that i've got my my it forces me into that routine of, of doing that and again as you know I can, i'm looking over there i can see the view there's just rolling countryside that i can see it's nice it's a nice place to come and be yeah. and that's important to me now i've also got you know time away from the office that i uh, travel and, and go and see groups and teams etc so i get a fair bit of a uh, very i've always needed variety mm. and i think being fixed to any one place um that that's something that's not good for my um physical and mental health so i you know i, I try and add in plenty of variety into yeah. what i do and the people i speak to etc so yeah i think for me the the office where i am now is has been a, a great investment it's you know probably clearly it's a financial expense but it's worth it it provides me so much more than that yeah for sure but you said about variety. just just on that anthony can yeah. i just say for that Go for it. just we 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 toyed my wife and I with, with getting a uh, a home office down the bottom of the garden in a really nice plush one. We were going to spend twenty five, thirty thousand pound on it, uh, and I was like, I don't think it's got the biggest, the, the, the necessary separation that I need. I'm still very contactable. I'm yes. still uh, a walk down the garden to by the kids to come and see what I'm, I'm up to, and and it's like that. That for me wasn't going to provide i'd still when my, everyone else was at work or at school i'd still feel that well i probably should be just hand washing, out. washing out yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly which because i'm i like to think I, I'm, a, I'm a modern man i can help yeah. around the house as much as I as, as I as i should and i can and take do my share but i also when i'm working i need that focus i need that attention and they get a better me when i come home now because i've got that clear separation i've got the transition into yeah. the home environment so you know, I, I I actually got into the habit during lockdown of uh, when everyone was around of when I finished work, I'd go for a walk around the block. That was me transitioning back mm. into home. You know, that was about a mile walk that I just my wife would understand that when I came back, it was a better me. So I could just process all the work stuff rather than walking out of the the, the sitting room into the, the kitchen and just chaos and yeah. being snappy and with everybody because that's family life. You know, there's there's yeah. I've got got four children um and what's know, the age range so we're a blended family so they're 13 down to 10 so they're all really tightly packed and right. it's, there's a, there's nine months between them all but uh but yeah so we're we're uh 
it's a com- it's it's a it's a great great household but it's yeah. it's full on and yeah. you know we've just we've just had a week in in france uh, over half term and you know we, you sometimes come back from a holiday thinking you need a break right need a break. this is it's the reality uh, but yeah. again wouldn't change it for the world it's uh, uh it's it's a, it's a great dynamic i think it's good to again and a lot of guys i've spoke to who started off uh say working from home and then realized you know maybe within a while that they needed some kind of like time to decompress between the two and i've seen that where i've got we're very lucky we've got a very big home gym which is basically like the size of a you know double garage so i can take my computer out there but i'm still i'll be there working and i'll see like some little eyes come over the thing and and our you know eldest one hudson will be waving and he'll knock on the door and then he wants to come and quickly chat and you know when you're focused so you don't want to be go away but then his little brother will come in and then before you know it, you're like, I can't remember what I was doing. And it's 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 so important for guys, I think, to find time to decompress, which is why even for our events that we've run you know, since 2018, a lot of guys said they'd come to things and it wasn't that there was a therapy group. You'd have, it'd be like yourself, maybe someone coming in to talk about resilience and stuff, but it just meant it was something different for a guy to go to that wasn't the pub and wasn't a family thing and gave you that, I don't know, just some, something different to do. Um, and with you, with with the coaching, I just wondered, um, because I know you host a podcast as well. So did you, when you left, did you get into kind of following other people in the personal development world? I mean, Tony Robbins is always a good example that a lot of people know. But is there anybody in not so much the military side, but the personal development side that you've either followed or listened to their podcast? I'm always interested to see, there might be some that I've missed. Yeah, so... Um... Tenant of special forces, one of the ethos actually, uh, ethos is of uh, uh, special forces. This unrelenting pursuit of excellence. Mm-hmm. Uh, even as I developed through my military career as as a more senior leader, I, I was always fascinated by personal development. It was never really a thing in the UK with yeah. kind of personal development books um, as such. Um, but I, I've I've kind of doubled down on it in a big way in the last kind of 10 years in, in a number of ways. Yeah, you know, I came across Tony Robbins. Uh, I think I've probably seen him on TV or around the internet a little bit. Didn't really understand who he was. Uh, again, never really saw him as someone that, uh, not very British, you know, it was yeah. kind of not not for me kind of thing. Yeah. But again, his message um, is fantastic. Um, uh, so I've, I've kind of, I've I've listened to so much and I've, dived into so much so specifically who do i listen to now who i, I love um i quite right now i'm really listening to a lot of peter teal stuff i don't know right. he's the kind of fitness guy he does a podcast called drive uh, you know again through uh military connections uh huberman uh, andrew huberman is uh, mm. someone that I, I listen to quite regularly as well i like the the science-based stuff um quite logical in that thinking that way but uh personal development wise yeah it's it's, it's really broad it's really mm. broad I'm, I'm always trying to learn. I, I love I'm, I'm quite studious I quite like learning so yeah it's always something that I've uh I've focused on been interested in I find it um after going to the Tony Robbins events in London I've been to Miami and um and out in Tenerife so I've spent a lot of money and, and saw some I, I would say I wouldn't have kids with Emma if I hadn't been because they did a hold down relationship. So we'd been together for a while, but it was around that time you had to say, you know, you've got to decide, are you going to stay together or not? And I realized that I probably wasn't showing up as the, in the relationship, like how I could have done. So that whole day, you know, solidified my decision to go home. And as they said, if you're not sure about relationship, go home and be the, the man you expect to be in a relationship for the next three months. And if it works after three months, great. But if not, you can say you've given it your best and, and then just you know can it and and i found that really helpful but the event i was in for the four days over the weekend again is in the us in the us it's so much kind of more accepted the personal development events and there was 30 or 40 guys in the room out there and they paid 10 grand each to be there for for four days and then there was 60 people online but the guy that runs that would have events where there'd be 500 men in a room and all you know having speakers whereas over here there's just there's just nothing like that. And I'm not trying to replicate the 500, but that's why I wanted to bring men together because virtually it's great, but you and I know that, you know, doing stuff in person is, I don't know, is, is, is kind of a different level altogether. Um, I just wonder if you, because, so how old are you now? 
44. 44. So we're the same age. I just wondered for you. I've had a harder paper round. Uh, I, I use a lot of co <laughs> use coconut oil. But for you, what do you find works for you? Like we talk about morning routine because I'm not saying it's the answer to everybody's problems. But I always think if you can start the day the right way, you give yourself a better chance of that kind of you know rippling through today. So what about for you, like with your fitness, health, nutrition, that kind of stuff? Yeah, um, I'm I'm really flexible. So again, the, one of the reasons that I left the military was to spend time with my family. So I see a lot of people, experts in in morning routine, and they talk about what they do, and that doesn't suit me or my lifestyle personally. I want to sit down at a dinner table and have breakfast with my family. I want to yeah. have lunch at the weekends and dinner with my family. Um, so those things are really important for me. For me, the morning, I, I, I'm not an early riser. I've never been, I've never enjoyed being an early riser. So the alarm normally goes off half six, quarter seven. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll get up, I'll I'll busy myself downstairs. I'll get people's food and drinks ready, typically. Uh, have a bit of time with my wife with a coffee before the kids start uh, coming downstairs. Yeah. Um, I, I then will have breakfast. They're, they're, at, they're at an age now. Uh, where they walk themselves to school mm -hmm. so once they have settled for the day i'll kind of typically get changed and either jog into work myself um, or go for do my exercise then so once they've gone uh, then i'm in i'm in the office from about nine o'clock typically so i'm not not, not an early riser i'm not the five o'clock club that's not yeah. been my style um I, i've always been looking for for balance um i reflect on that i think about that a lot um uh, you know there's you know, I'm I'm my, my own still my own harshest critic, and I could definitely squeeze more out of what I do. But right now, life isn't about trying to uh, do more, be more yeah. productive. It's about having quality time with the people I care most about. And and I've got a great coach in the sense of my wife, a great great role model in the sense of a reminder when I can still be in the office at five thirty, six o'clock at night, and saying, you know what time are you home and you know the you know dinner's ready and it's like you know reminded me that actually this is what right now this part of my life is about yes. spending that, that quality time with the family now that isn't for everybody people have mm. got their own models they're trying to put the throttle down they're trying to build scale something massive and i get it but for me i've, I've kind of uh if you're familiar with a book uh second mountain by uh i think it's matthew brooks right about um you know my first mountain was productivity foot to the ground dedicating my life to a an organization and and doing incredible things having incredible adventures i'm very comfortable in myself that i've parked that now and this period yeah. of this chapter of my life now you know of spending more time with my family is something that i'm really trying to focus on and i mm. and i lean heavily on my wife actually to ensure that she she keeps nudging me in the right direction because i've got a tendency to just i, I really enjoy what i do and i can easily put the, my foot down and and, and work late on things because yeah. you know i genuinely you enjoy it. it i love doing it i genuinely enjoy it so i need that i rely on my wife to to give me that uh that reminder nudge. and be that that nudge absolutely and nudge in the right direction and i said they're that the, they're the daily habits that i i enjoy that those those kind yeah. of, we, we, we're conversation rich we're we're always reminding each other of what we've agreed holding each other accountable to the things mm. that we we've sat down and worked out what we value I think one of the big things in a good relationship is is your level of communication. Um, and sure. I listened to a podcast a couple of years ago. I mean, it must have been six years ago because I didn't live here. I was back in London. But the guy said one of the things when he'd be talking to his wife is she'd say something. And he, he said, we both learned to say, like, take that message and say, okay, what I'm hearing you say is this. You want me to do this. Because sometimes you'd reflect that back and they go, no, I... I've said this, and I guess that, I mean, comes down to communication, male, female, or male to male in a football team or the army or whatever. Um, and I wanted for you because um, with, for a lot of guys, and exactly like you just said, you know, it's like different mountains. I used to say it's like men go through phases. And that's why for me, the whole man academy is really for guys probably at the end of their 30s and you're going on because I saw that in my 20s. I worked at all these different companies and I was partying. Some nights I slept under my desk. I'd still get up and go to the gym the next morning, protein shakes, dating and, you know, money. And that was my thing. And then once I got to my mid to late thirties, I looked around and was like, that's, that's like, you know, is this, is this, um, this isn't what I'm going to carry on doing. And so many men are going through those phases. So where do you see, let's say for the next five years is your, 
let's say you haven't got to have a set plan, but are you continuing to do that? Or do you have anything else that you think in the pipeline? Like, do you know what? I'd like to work on this, launch this, live there or anything like that. Yeah, no, the, the business has grown really steadily. We're, um, you know, we've only been in business for, for four years and we're in a great place. Some of the teams and organizations that we've got uh, regular mm. work with is, is you know, I, I love what I do. Um, I don't need to change anything. It's I've kind of, I designed a bit of a plan and we live in that plan right now. As the kids get older, again, my my expectation is that as the children get older, they want to spend less time with mom and dad. And, and that would be my expectation. Yeah. Um, that Karen and I, my wife, will, will get more time to then go and do the things that we love to do. And um, I look forward to those times genuinely. And we, we plan, we're planning for those. So with the business, there's not, there's not really anything that... Um, you know, my, my business partner, Martin Jones, um, Professor Martin Jones, uh, Doctor of Human Performance in many ways. You know, we've got a number of um, things that we're playing around with at the minute that we think can really help things around the topics of what I've already spoken around, mm -hmm. around helping people manage stress better, uh, deal deal with the, the challenges that are going to keep coming because that's the nature of the work environment, the modern yeah. work environment. We need to keep adapting. So... We've got a number of uh, plans ahead with um, you know, deliveries, workshops, um, courses mm -hmm. that we we uh, we built and, and are continuing to build to help people to uh, yeah. manage their their own lives better. So so not not really. I'm, I'm, yeah. Work for me is is isn't the be all and end all. Um, it's it's not primary in my life, um, and I, I try and keep it in its place. Uh, yeah. It has been previously, and I understand and I respect like. Previously, the old me, if you like, you know, that that's what I live for. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes, you know, my wife will say to me, well, you know, I'm still very work focused because I genuinely enjoy what I do, but I'm, I'm, I keep it in its place now. So, yeah, um, it's not the be all and end all for me these days. I recorded a, a very short video last night where I was talking about, fun enough, that my watch, which is um, uh, built by a company called William Wood Watches and it's a, a friend of mine who's much younger than me but he followed that path of working for a corporate and then early on thinking I have a you know I have bigger dreams than just sitting at a desk and you know trading time for money um, but I said that I think one of the great things in life is if you can get well paid for the thing you love like so many people that is like the, the golden ticket um, and I just wanted last question for you is with hosting the podcast um again i've interviewed so many different guys and some of them i've got nervous to talk to because sometimes you kind of just don't you you respect them and you know they're very good in their field and you don't look like an idiot in front of them by asking something stupid and i was um it's rare that i get particularly nervous and i just wonder for you because of your you know your life experience do you still when you sit down with the guys that you pick to talk to do you still get nervous beforehand of like what's it like for you yeah, yeah i'm still human uh, yeah. And this is it. I think this is something that people don't talk about. So, I, I, I'm I'm very I'm a very honest person. I like to think, and you know, there's been occasions. If 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 I'm nervous, it means I care, mm. um, and I, I, I want to do my best. So if I feel like again before, the the story I'll always share is kind of being sat in the back of a helicopter about to fly somewhere to somewhere really a really difficult challenging mission you know there was nerves there was there was a nervous energy and and I think that the most skilled operators special forces operators uh, managed and learned skills uh, to channel that energy and I'm exactly the same now that the skills and tools that I used then are exactly the same ones that I use now. A couple of years ago, I started, I, I was invited down to have a chat with a, a private equity company. And they were going through some challenges post COVID, difficult working environment. And yeah. I'd never worked with a private equity. I knew nothing about private equity. <laughs> I knew stuff about teams and people. And I went down to London, you know, down a uh, great big building. And I was like, wow, this is this is a bit nerve wracking. Like, what do I know that can help? You know, these are buying businesses for hundreds yeah. of millions of pounds. Like, what, what do I know about this? And I didn't have to know anything about that. But, and I walked out of that meeting with them actually. And I, and I've got a process for this, but I reflected on how it went and on reflection, you know, in my lane, uh, you know, I, I know yeah. my world, I know various things to quite a high level. 
and I can help people in that regard. I don't need to know their business. I need to understand parts of it and aspects of it, the, the intricacies, the nuances, I should say, to it. But so I always feel nervous when I go into a new, a new environment that is going to challenge me. But I now recognize that those cues of nerves, whether it's the butterflies in the stomach, whether it's the sweaty palms, yeah. whether it's the inner critic that's shouting at you, to, you this is you're going to make an idiot of yourself. I now recognize that that is that is because I care about what I'm about to do. And this is probably something that I should keep walking towards. Yes. So running towards the firefight rather than running away from it. That's right. what I always used to do. But equally, it doesn't come without kind of sense of concern or nerves mm. and, and nerves are just a part of doing something that you care passionately about. So, so yes. you know, I'd always say to people that that nervousness if you're feeling it, it's because you care and it's something to pursue and, and scratch around that more rather than avoid it. Yeah, I like it. And I think it's important because sometimes you can say that guys in normal life will look up to guys in the forces and see them as elite and what have you. But you have to remember that they are, like you said, you know, they're still human and you're still fearful of things and your know, appetite for risk changes and what have you. Um, and I, funny, the event I was on over the weekend, the guy there is one of the biggest personal development chaps and I respect him because he's very, very good at what he does. And and again, you're on Zoom with 60 others on the Zoom and then there's 30 men who some of them have got huge businesses. And at one point he's like, right, next up we're going to pick Anthony and you're going to come up. And I was chilled and I, it was about 10 o'clock at night and I'm sitting here listening and writing notes. And as soon as he said my name, my heart rate went through the roof and I have not had that. I can't remember when. And it was funny how you realise I'm, you know, I've talked in front of big groups and I do podcasts and stuff, but there was something about, I don't know, just because I cared about thinking he's going to ask me some very personal stuff and I don't want to say the wrong thing and look like an idiot. And I just had that notice of like, I literally felt my heart, I could feel it beating very loudly. I know, I know exactly what you mean. Can I share an example yeah, just from it. last week? So uh, we were on holiday uh, as a family just in, uh, just in France. And uh, so again, you know, don't say this to to brag, but many, many times I've ran off the back of a helicopter into a gunfight. And yeah. that that was almost uh, not a normal activity, but it was something that I was uh, not calm in either, but I was I was able to understand. Yeah. We were at a resort in France and uh, they were doing karaoke and my stepson was like, Gary, are you going to do, are you going to do a song? And I was like, that feeling of no way, yeah. you know, like karaoke, it's like my worst nightmare. So just because you're competent and you're able to manage your nerves in one field and it might be perceived by others to be the scariest yeah. thing you can imagine, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden that, that, that confidence or resilience in that it translates over to everything else. It just mm. doesn't. Right. And so, no, karaoke for me, that'll get my ass twitching a little faster than <laughs> I love it because often you can't tell what it is that's going to, let's call it, trigger you. And when I was at the Tony Robbins event in Tenerife, the Life and Wealth Mastery, I was in the midst of doing all these obstacle course races and, you know, going out to the World Championship. So I was like, I can cope with any of the physical aspects and heights and everything. And they asked you to basically climb this, call it totem pole or telegraph pole, with a harness on so still you weren't going to fall and die but just as I got to the top because I was very I can do this and as I got to the top you had to take that final step which meant kind of letting go of everything and as I got there I was like I'm good I'm good and I don't know what switched in me but just as I went to step it wobbled and suddenly I froze and you had like a woman of like 60 who's down there going come on Anthony and I wanted to be like shut up I can do this but two minutes earlier I was completely chilled and then it kind of surprised me that, you know, sometimes you can think everything's going well and you're calm and then suddenly something happens. And and I guess for you, most people, to a state of are never going to face gunfire and the possibility of things like that, because that's the final part of for you. How do you, you can't teach a guy, surely, to be comfortable under gunfire. Is it inbuilt or? No. So I, I, I was listening to what you said about the totem pole and... Uh, a phrase I use all the time is experiences times a thousand equals experienced. Right. So if, if like, if you do that experience 50 times, then it won't be the same as the first time you did it. Mm. If you did it at 500 times, yeah. you'd, be, you'd be cool with it. And so I can talk to you now about running into a firefight 
and you think well how on earth do you get comfortable doing that well the first dozen times you are not cool and you're not cool the last time you do it because the nature takes over with some events and the, the legitimate risk is always and should always have a certain effect on you and yeah. But I would say experiences times a thousand equals experience. So run towards experiences and, and reflect on those experiences and, and ask yourself in your reflections, was was my fear as rational as as maybe I thought it, it should be? Uh, or, or, yeah. or was was I being irrational? And, and if the answer is, no, I was probably a little bit too fearful, then just remember that next time you do that, it, it doesn't, it doesn't end up as you expect mm. half the time. That's exactly what I said earlier about go through doors and seek opportunities, new experiences and, and see what happens. I yeah. say yes to a lot of things. I, I'm, I'm getting better at saying no, but through saying yes to a lot of things, you get to experience stuff that you work stuff out in, through action rather than learning by other people's mistakes or through other people's wisdom. Mm. You can't learn wisdom from other people. You have to have experiences and reflect on your experiences to create your own wisdom. So yeah. I, I always point people towards take action and, and work it out as you go. Um, things typically don't, you know, people's fears are, are often irrational. Mm. But it's a good one to finish on because I think it's for, for a lot of the guys who kind of talk through the whole Mad Academy or read stuff or been to events. So many of them will look back and be like the stuff I was really scared about doing one day, you know, years later, it's kind of just, you know, it's in your, sub, it's, you know, you don't even think about it. So I think it's important. Yeah. For guys to realize that when you've faced the kind of the situations you have, that still there's fears in there, but the more you kind of face these things, the easier it gets. But um, so what's the what's the rest of the day look like for you? Now you've finished podcast, which is what? We're about half past two, so. Yeah, about half past two. So now I've got a, a good friend, former colleague ringing me uh, a little bit later. Uh, we're having a bit of a catch up. Um, I've got a number of things that I'm working on. We're hosting our first event in September um, getting our clients all together, uh, a leadership uh, cabal that we're having in the Peak District. So we've got Excellent. that. I'm, I'm constantly planning for that. So we've got, a, as you know yourself, Anthony, when you've uh, you've got your own business, there's always a thousand things to be yeah. getting on with. So uh, no, there's plenty to be going at today. Yeah, no, I think it's good. And I'm the same. The amount of guys I know that realise when you had a job, often things were easy because you when you switched your computer off to an extent, you just came home and did whatever. Whereas now, you know, you're always thinking the social media and you've got advertising and you've got clients and you've got emails and stuff. So, uh, but well, it's, it's been a pleasure. And I, and I appreciate um, when we shared your hot debrief, like I got some really great messages from guys saying, um, you know, that kind of stuff is so interesting because you can apply it to whatever you're in, you know, especially if it's in the corporate world. And also if you're telling people you're going to do it, and who it's come from people kind of pay a bit more attention to it because it sounds it sounds cool and edgy and interesting so i so i appreciate you letting me share that um well on that note i will uh i will you know say thanks very much for giving us your time and hopefully we, we will have you on the podcast again one day happy to thanks anthony thanks gary thanks for listening remember to sign up to our game-changing weekly e-letter that's read by men around the world sign up at wholemanacademy.com forward slash movement until next time.